In a dramatic 1.30 a.m. vote, Republican Senators Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins, joined by Senator John McCain of, and all 48 Democrats, voted down the so-called skinny repeal bill, ending Republicans' latest effort to repeal the Affordable Care Act, better known as Obamacare. After the vote, President Trump tweeted that he now expects a deal with Democrats after Obamacare fails, which he says he has been saying is going to happen. He calls the law a disaster. Here to talk with us about what happened last night and in the last few days and what the Trump administration might do now in regard to health care is Bloomberg News congressional reporter Laura Litvan, who's been following this obviously very closely. Laura, the Republicans have talked for years and years about repealing Obamacare. They have been desperately trying to get something done in what was really an extraordinary process over the last week. Why haven't they been able to come up with something that repeals the Affordable Care Act? Well, they're very torn between their moderate and their conservative wings uh, in the Senate. Uh, we've, we see more of that in this chamber than the House. They have just a 52-seat majority. And um, you had conservatives who wanted certain things, and you had moderates that wanted others. And it just – they could not seem to come together and um, even if the skinny, what they call the skinny repeal bill, which was a bare bones bill that just had repealed the individual and, and the employer mandates and made a few other changes, even if that had gone through um, and if, if that would have just started an amendment process that was going to be totally free form. And we never had any idea whether the final product um, would have been able to pass either. So um, they've been really struggling with this for weeks. And now they have to figure out if they have a path forward and what that is. Laura, McCain, uh, John McCain, Senator John McCain, said after the failure of the bill due to his vote that the Senate should return to the correct way of legislating and send the bill back to committee, hold hearings, receive input from both sides. Why was none of that done in this process? Even this last bill wasn't released by McConnell, the text of it, until a few hours before the pivotal vote. Well, that's the process that McConnell has used all along, and um, it's very. I, I covered Obamacare the first time it passed. It was very much in contrast. We had five hearing, uh, five committees that had hearings and had votes. Uh, there were there were a lot of closed door negotiations then, and reporters standing in the hallway outside of those as well. But this was almost this was almost entirely. Um, really entirely closed door with a small number of senators invited to take part in a working group. Even they didn't know which of their ideas they were throwing out. McConnell and his aides were taking. Uh, people were shown bills just hours before they were supposed to um, vote on them or weigh in on whether they would support them or not. And they were having these constant caucus meetings. And I felt that uh, you could see some of the members were puzzled by the process. And sometimes these even seemed to feel demoralized by it, especially when it finally came down to looking at just a bare-bones approach being put before them, and that was all they could seem to agree on. Laura, President Trump, uh, along with the congressional Republicans, has you know been very disparaging of the law, and after the vote said that three Republicans and 48 Democrats let the American people down in a tweet, and that uh, now he's going to watch the law implode and, and there will be a deal with Democrats then. A lot of people have accused him of trying to sabotage the law, though. What can the administration do now if they want to make the law not work. What are they going... I'm sorry, can you repeat the end what, of that? What, what will they do if they want to sabotage the law in some way? Well, what the Democrats have accused them of doing all along is um, not being supportive of these cost-sharing subsidies that amount to, I think it's about $8 billion a year under Obamacare, that help to subsidize 
um, the deductibles and other costs for low-income uh, Americans who are on the insurance exchanges, and these are subsidies that go to the insurers. And the insurers kind of depend on these to get some stability in that marketplace and some certainty. And they haven't really been supportive of those and have been pushed and pushed by Democrats uh, to continue making them. And the question now is, you know, it, it seems that it would be very hard for them to go forward, forward with anything bipartisan without cost-sharing subsidies and other things that stabilize the exchanges. And it, he seemed to threaten in a tweet uh, that he sent that uh, maybe they would try to cause more problems for the exchanges, and people weren't quite sure what he's sending another round of mixed signals. And it's, but that is going to be the bedrock of anything that would be bipartisan. That's the first thing the Democrats want. Glor, could he also get the, his agencies not to enforce the individual mandate? There is some flexibility there. There are some um, things that they can do at HHS, which I'm not as familiar with as a Hill reporter, but um, yes, there are some things administratively that they have done and they, they could continue to try to do. I suspect um, there'll be a lot of pressure from the Hill on HHS not to do that, from Republicans like Lamar Alexander, who chairs the Health um, Committee, which oversees HHS, and he wants to see stability in the exchanges and has his own proposal. Well, our thanks to Laura Litvan, Bloomberg News congressional reporter, after what must have been a very long night for you, Laura, following uh, the machinations in the Senate over uh, what was ultimately a doomed attempt to repeal Obamacare, even on what they called a skinny basis. Coming up on Bloomberg Law, we're going to be talking about uh, more from the Trump administration. This time, the Department of Justice has intervened in a lawsuit in which a gay person is claiming that Title VII employment law protects him against discrimination. And the Justice Department, despite the fact that the EEOC backs the worker, the Justice Department has now filed a brief saying that that's not true.